um, you're kind of coming in on the middle of a conversation so hopefully we can get you caught up so you at least know what we're talking about and what's going on I always have to start with uh, a family story this one isn't all about my grandchildren for once this is a, about my niece when she was about six years old she had come with her family we all had our big Christmas together and afterwards she wrote my mama and daddy a thank-you note she was about six years old and it said Dear Nanny and Granddaddy, thanks for everything. We really enjoyed being at your house and opening presents. That was the best thing of all. Although we know that Christmas is all about the giving, but hey, we're little, what did you expect? <laughs> Love, Elizabeth. <laughs> I thought, you know, um, some of that's kind of like our nature. Thankfully, God knows us. Hey, we're human, and what does he expect? We are talking in this class about walking with the Spirit and listening to the Spirit. And isn't that always the big question? You know, how do we know? What do we hear? Uh, what does that look like? And so just to kind of get you guys, I'm going to give you a 30-second uh, catch-up for those of you who've not been in our Maymester so far. Uh, but first of all, the, the number one foundation or principle that we talked about is God is after relationship. Um, and while a lot of us are probably thinking, uh, duh, we know that, we often forget that. It's kind of as though he's way up there and we're way down here and we understand relationship in our humanness, but not quite so much in our relationship with God. So we spent quite a bit of time talking about that. The second thing is God is not human. And the reason this particular point is so important, that God is not human, is because we often look for him to interact with us as humans interact, but God is spirit, and we're not necessarily thinking in those terms, so that changes how we interact or how we expect to interact with God. Um, so, our communion with God is on a spirit basis, more so than a human relationship, how that would look. And we spent some time talking about that. Foundation three, God knows our weakness. He created us. He knows our strengths. He knows our weakness. We are created in His image. He knows the limitations of our, of our humanness. And so, the fact that God knows us so intimately and personally makes a big difference when we look and try to discern how he interacts with us. The fourth foundation is God has a chain of command and a mode of operation. I thought this, I think Mike, you taught this class, right? This was an interesting concept for me that I hadn't really thought through. But Jesus is actually our model for this because when we look at all of the gospels, and the stories of Jesus, what did he do? He interacted with the people and then he withdrew and did what? He prayed, he interacted with the Father. And he says over and over and over in scripture, I do exactly what my Father tells me or what I do comes from the Father. And so that pattern of chain of command is still what's in place today and that is the Spirit knows the Father we interact with Jesus and with the Spirit, and we are communing with the Father. And from that, we go and we interact, and we become 
the kingdom, a part of the kingdom, and we're Jesus to other people, but it's because of that conduit of relationship that's coming through us that that's able to happen. And that's really a, it's quite profound uh, because that's where we get our strength and our direction and all the things that come from walking with the Spirit. Last week, Scott, Uh, Broadway talk class and the premise that he talked about last week was God uses both internal and external communication when he interacts with us. External sources too many to count. Lots in the Bible. He used prophets, right? He used revelation. He used a donkey. He used all kinds of external ways to communicate with people and that's clear from Scripture. But it's also clear in Scripture, and Scott went over quite a few verses last week about the counterfeit that Satan can present that's not from God. And so when we're only looking at things externally, often we're like, is this from God or is it not? And we're not quite sure. But in the final analysis, the decision on whether something is from God is ours to make. We must discern what we see and hear to tell if it's really from God. And so his principle last week was that we have really, it's twofold. One is the word, and then the other is through our spirit or the interaction from God's spirit within our spirit. So remember this funnel, the picture that he put up. Notice all of the things that can come into our lives. The word is a filter, but from that comes a real sense of peace that is often another way to affirm. So look at this uh, sentence. They must be funneled through the sieve of the truth of the word. That gives us boundaries. That gives us objective measurements through which to run circumstances to where we can say, is this truth or is it not? And the peace of God within our spirits that cannot be affected by the storm around us. And then there's a couple of verses. Sanctify them in the truth, thy word is truth. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and to be thankful. So here's a question I want us just to talk about for just a minute here. What do you think this means? Hold on a minute. Go back here. What do you think this means? Notice where you have this truth of the word that's the safe boundary and the peace of God within our heart. Have you ever known of a circumstance, I know I have, where I've interacted with someone who says, I know in my heart that the Lord wants me to be happy and this is what he's telling me to do because I have peace about it. But it didn't match the word. Have y'all had those circumstances where someone, even ourselves, where we've come to a peace about something, but yet the boundary of the word has been stepped over, right? Um, And then I think sometimes there are things we might read in scripture and feel we're discerning, but yet there's not the peace that comes from that. Keep in mind, have you ever had a situation in your life, and often it's when something's really, really hard, that your external circumstances can be going all over the place, but deep inside of you, you feel the peace of God that you're going to get to the other side of this thing? Has anybody ever had that feeling where you thought, okay, this is really bad, but my spirit and the peace given to me by the Spirit says, I will get to the other side. The Lord is with me. That's the kind of peace 
that this is referring to, and that's what he was talking about. Mike? Well, I think Terry, back behind me, is a good example of that. Okay. With his cancer. <laughs> I mean, you, you talk to him, he's not anxious. He's at peace. He's mm -hmm. in God's hands. That's and exactly what it is. There's no anxiety with that. And, and people come up and talk to him, and they're a lot more anxious than he is. But he's not... He has that the peace that passes all understanding about it. Hey, Carrie, is he telling the truth? <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. Chad, Chad's my witness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's telling the truth. I've got several witnesses in there. But no, this that, is just something that um, you know. I like the phrase. Uh, Trust him no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so when difficulties come your way, and, and I've, I've been blessed so far with not having a lot of symptoms from my cancer, but I know they're ahead mm -hmm. unless God does his thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it's just really, it's really peaceful to know he's, he had, he had we get, we get all messed up in our heads because we think God's promised us things that he hasn't. That's right. And when we understand what he has promised us, is this mm -hmm. peace that you're talking about here. Exactly. Which, we learn those promises when you go back to the boundaries of the word, when you really read it for what it says. Mm -hmm. And all of that goes together. So between those two, that was what that foundation five was about is that God uses external and internal communication when he speaks to us. Um, so this is where we're going to start this week and that is faith is required. Um, and you know all of these sound so simplistic but yet they're quite profound. It says that God requires us to trust in him because think about it almost any time you're discerning the will of God there's a bit of uncertainty there sometimes there's a lot more uncertainty but there's always that sense of is this exactly where I need to go um, in any decision any leading any guidance you're going to feel a sense of uncertainty but at some point you say God I trust your love for me to help me in this decision or help me in this pathway and I'm going to go for it. A great example is the council in Jerusalem when they were at a crossroads, a very strategic, important crossroads about the church. And it was whether or not they were going to insist that the Christians who were becoming Christian held the Jewish law. They were trying to decide whether we combine these things or not. And so if you'll look here, there were quite a few things that the group, when they came together, quite a few things that they did to discern what, what was the will of God in this circumstance. Notice they went for guidance from older people. They looked at the circumstances and recent history of God's work to see if a pattern could be anticipated. They referred to the word, for example. They discussed and reasoned. They looked at the fruit and signs God has given. They yielded to authority. They looked at biblical principles. But look what they decided at the end, and I love this phrase. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That's a whole lot different than, we know the Lord has said X. 
But you know what? It seems after I have gathered information, after I have discerned, after I have gone in every possible direction I can to get information, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us, or I should say it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to me when I make a decision. All through Scripture, we see people seeking the will of God or seeking a word from the Lord or looking to see the direction that God would have them go. And sometimes they were confused, and sometimes they didn't get a black and white direction, but they knew and trusted God's character, His love to make it the right way and to protect them. Not, not that everything's going to be, it's like you're saying, Carrie, not that everything in your life will be perfectly lined up, which we typically translate to physical things, right? Well, if, if God loves me, then I'll get this job and this house and this spouse and all these children and it's all going to... That's not what this is talking about. He's saying He will, because we trust His love and His character, He'll take care of us spiritually, always, without any hesitation. So our faith rests not in our ability to perceive God, but in His unfailing loving kindness. What do you think this means? Think about it. Not in our ability to perceive God. So, you know, that keeps us from being haughty about, well, I got a word from the Lord, so that means I must be more spiritual than all these people around me. It's very much in humility. But what's the difference between our focus on perceiving God or focusing on His unfailing loving kindness? Yes, ma'am. The thing for me is that in any circumstance, I'm not going to always be faithful. I'm going to, even though I'm trusting in God, Mm -hmm. I still do things, say things that are not in line with His will and that don't uh, look like I'm trusting, as if I'm trusting Him. Yes. But, But we're on a journey, and we sometimes get off the road for a little bit and if we trust in God that his will be done in our lives he's going to draw us back that's right and uh, and, and the scripture I guess that helps me so much with that is that he's promised that he'll never leave us or forsake us mm-hmm. and that is to be the ultimate in uh, helping me to trust him yes well said and that that's the principle here it's that we're focused on his unfailing loving kindness when we're seeking to hear him right not on the fact that we're so good at hearing him but just trusting and knowing about his unfailing loving kindness I told Mike I said you know what this reminds me of when our children we were in Atlanta and we have three children and we spent a lot of time in a van me driving all over the city and I grew up there so often if there was traffic I would know a shortcut so we'd be driving along the predictable route and then I would take off it'd take us about I don't know 50 feet (coughs) before from the back somebody go where are we going where are we going we don't usually go this way what are we doing why are we and I thought how many times have I driven y'all off a cliff? Or how many times have I slowed down and shoved you out of the car? Or, you know, every time I drive you somewhere, I safely get you there, right? So trusting is, you know, God's driving the van. And, hey, this might have taken a route 
or it might seem to the Holy Spirit and to me, perhaps I need to go in a direction, but if I am focused on His unfailing loving kindness and I trust in that, then hey, we take a turn, I'm good. He's never driven me off a cliff. He's never shoved me out of the car. But yes, John. Last sentence makes a huge difference in our lives. If our faith mm-hmm. rests on our ability, we're going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. We're never going to make it. We're going to have guilt. We're yep. going to have fear. Yep. We can't get there. On the other hand, if you trust in God, then like the song says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Yes. That makes a huge difference in our lives. spiritual lives. Huge difference. Huge difference. Yes, ma'am. I think in my life I've spent so much energy and, and anxiety in trying to figure out what does God want me to do? What is mm-hmm. the right thing to do? What mm-hmm. should I be doing next? What's what's the right answer? What? And boy, you can just get so enmeshed in that. And that is, I see that as trying to figure out God. I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out God. Instead of, I read something just a couple of years ago that, that verse that says, don't be anxious about anything, but with thanksgiving. I never quite understood how those two things could. Yeah. But, but it said, you know, if there's a problem or an issue or a circumstance, instead of saying, oh, God, please help me to know what to do, blah, blah, blah. Thank you, God, that you already know about this. And That's that right. And care of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how it's going to work out right now, but I know it will. And thank you. That's right. And that is the putting it in his in this faithfulness. Yes. Absolutely. What a relief. He's, he's a whole lot better at it than I am, for sure. So yes, I think this, once again, as simplistic as this sounds, we can get caught up in something different that we need to be reminded to come back to this place that says, wait a minute. Yeah, okay, I got in the van, he's driving. Wherever this goes, he's in charge and I feel okay about that. I'm, I'm confident in that. So we're going to talk a little bit about, and I'm hoping y'all will uh, chime in here because I think this is important for us to discuss with each other. We've gone through the six foundations. Let's talk a little bit about the mechanics of hearing and discerning because at some point we have to have, you know, it, it seems like these things all kind of float up here, but sometimes we have to kind of hone it down to something practical uh, where we can talk about it and give it a little more meat. Uh, Henry Blackaby, I don't know, knowing God has been around for a really long time. Uh, There's a a Bible study that goes with this, but he says this. He wants to use something that's enough like something we know that we can recognize it and not freak us out, but something that's different enough from our normal thoughts that we can distinguish it and recognize it as God speaking. Isn't that an interesting thought? Um, Some people use terms like, uh, you know, I heard a voice, and others are like, well, I don't want to, that's, that's too holy roly for me. But I can call it a nudge, or I can call it a picture in my mind, or I can call it inner knowing, or feeling, or symbols, or impression. Um, there's a lot of different words that people use to describe when they feel like they've gotten a prompting from the Spirit or a word from the Lord. What would you use? How would you describe the Spirit's? Um, leading in your life. What does that look like? Um, I, I, for me, when I was called to adopt my little girl, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of trepidation. I'm sure. Uncertainty, of course, doing that. Um, but there was an absolute, absolute uh, 
firmly of knowing in my mind. Okay. I mean, I, I couldn't question it. I had to do it. I was being driven to do it. Okay, so you, so I think is knowing, um, you, you, that inner knowing, you felt like you just knew it. I, I, I could instill right now look back on the events before I entered into the adoption process and see now what God did to bring me here and to, um, I, I had a career that was very um, um, driven. I wouldn't have had enough time to adopt child and that and I was living overseas and, and I had an accident that made me retire and I somehow moved me here to Nashville mm -hmm. and the Lipscomb without any sense of direction I knew I was supposed to come here and then the minute I got here started classes at Lipscomb I absolutely knew I was called to adopt and, and I can't even to this day explain but I knew God was telling me I didn't hear voices. I didn't hear. I just threw a series of books I had been reading. One of them was Katie Davis, that you've all heard of mm -hmm. her, um, and her story. And I, I came to this realization because I was trying to tell myself, no, no, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. and I'm older. How can I adopt a young child? And I'm single. And then I'm reading <coughs> Katie Davis' story, and I'm seeing an 18-year-old girl that adopts 13 mm -hmm. young girls in Uganda, I thought, if she can do it, God called her to do something crazy like that, I know I can do it. And then the, everything that led up to it now, I know it was all God. I accident everything that led up to it. You know what, Ryan, one time you said in class, uh, what is it, theology can't outweigh testimony, or what was the thing you said? Experience. Yeah, uh, Ex experience. Uh, man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an there you go. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. So your experience, we could argue all day long that that's not what it is, and you're like, I don't care. I know. I know that that is truth for me. just give somebody a concrete, oh, this is what happened. It's a deep understanding and knowing that you can And it's very personal. It's very personal. I had an experience a couple of weeks ago where... I have a, so I work for a healthcare uh, consulting firm and I go to hospitals and I help keep doctors out of Medicare jail. So I have a coworker and we were working with a hospital that had like 400 employed physicians and we were doing work. Well, she and I have been working together for about a year and Mike can tell you, I've, I've, I get along with everybody. I really do. But this lady, we just weren't Gee-hawing. So we had, in a Chili's, had a fight. <laughs> I mean, when I called Mike, he was like, I don't know who you are, but you are not my wife. Because I was like, I can't believe it just happened. I just had this fight. And I know, no, no. Yes, he can, he's a chili pepper. But I'm like, no, let's all just love and get along. Well, we had a fight. And I was like in Chili's of all places. And... As she was saying things to me, I told Mike, I felt words come to my mind that said, hurt people, hurt people, be still. Because my emotions were going, you know, because I was already on edge with her anyway. So it wasn't like she caught me off guard. It was like we were already, you know, it, anyway, 
But, and I told him later, I said, I know that was the spirit. He was telling me, don't let your emotions get away right here because they can. They can get away from you, but you just need to kind of simmer down. And at one point she even said to me, I don't think it's very professional that you're pouting because I wasn't saying anything. I wanted to say, no, the Spirit told me to keep my mouth shut before I hurt you. But then I thought, well, that wouldn't be from God either. So I, but I know, I know that that came from the Spirit because he was telling me you need to get a grip. Um, Anybody else, have you had those instances? What did it feel like to you? Did it feel like words? Did it feel like a nudging? And back to the idea about it not quite being something to where you wonder if it was your mind. It wasn't that I heard words, but it felt different than my own thinking that was going on with my emotions all caught up. Do you know what I'm saying? It felt separate. Um, The word nudge up there can take um, many forms. Yes. Um, I had, after my husband died uh, in 2006, I'd been by myself for a while. And I had this friend who had been my best friend since ninth grade in high school. And she called and said she was moving to Memphis, but she didn't know where she was going to live because her daughter had her house full and she hadn't sold her house yet. And she needed to do that before she could really take on a financial obligation. And I remember saying to her, Margaret, don't worry, God's going to take care of that. And I got up, I was sitting at the computer when she called, I got up and started walking down the hall, and it was like something hit me in my back. I am serious. And God, I didn't, you know, I didn't hear those words, but it's like, yes, I am going to find a place for it, and you're it. (laughs) that's not a nudge that's a shove (laughs) (laughs) you you needed a little shove and so I went back to the phone and I called her and I said Margaret I know where you're going to live really where and she I said you're going to live with me oh no I couldn't do that you know I could yeah you you could that's great so you know we talked with her family that were there Mm -hmm. they were so supportive Everything along the way just affirmed the fact that that's where she was supposed to be. And the interesting thing is, I thought, wonder how long we'll do this. Well, her house sold, and I made a decision to move to Nashville. And on the same day, every day, and when I'd come home in the afternoon, we'd always sit and visit and have a little snack and so we were sitting there, and we both spoke at the same time. I said, I have something to tell you. And she said, I have something to tell you. <laughs> and I said, will you go first? And so she said, I have found an apartment. My house is sold. It, it's going to be closing soon. And so I will be moving. And I said, yes, you will, because I'm moving tonight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that worked out. And it was just, I mean, how could you design something like that, you know? Sure. It was was just, and when I ignore those nudges, I'm always sorry. Mm -hmm. Always sorry because something happened that tells me you should have done it. Yes, yes. 
<laughs> he might keep after you and yeah. keep after you and keep after you. Yes, sir. I'm curious how the fight ended. Did you knock her out? No, no. I, well, uh, actually, I asked the boss to take me off the project because I thought this isn't going well. Um, my main thing was the client, right? So thankfully, we were at Chili's and not, you know, in front of the client. That would have been bad. But we we resolved it as best. Have you ever had a situation where you don't wind up being, you know, close friends or whatever? We resolved it best it could have been resolved. Um, and actually, she's no longer working there. So I'm not saying God got rid of her on my behalf. I'm just saying that it was just a really difficult thing, especially when I'm not used to not being able to get along with people. I think it, it was a good lesson for me. I, I asked the Lord, what are you teaching me here, you know, about getting along, really? Um, so it, I wouldn't say it ended well. I would just say the Lord just helped me in that moment. It ended. It ended, <laughs> yes. But it was, it was, you know, that's the thing. We, we would love for everything to end up like a fairy tale or like when you watch a Lifetime movie, you can tell how this thing's going to end, right? But real life just isn't that way. I think also another way that the spirit works is that in settings like that, sometimes your enemies speak more truth than your friends do. So anytime someone is critical of you, mm -hmm. it's not that you take it in wholesale, but you need to ask the spirit, yeah. what are you trying to teach me yes. here? Because sometimes that really, they, they, don't, they don't care if it hurts mm -mm. or not. They're not mincing words. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, and so, and you kind of did that in this situation. I did. There was one thing in there that you said, mm, I probably shouldn't have uh -huh. done that, or I can't remember what it was. But it, uh, it became a teachable, a, a teachable moment for the spirit. Yes. You. And that's a great point because it's not always leading you to, uh, sometimes it's that discipline. I mean, isn't that what the Bible says? Is he disciplines us he loves. Yes, Mary I, I Okay. <laughs> um, I feel like I was standing in my kitchen and I was had the impression of, of the name Suzanne, a lady at church who's an acquaintance, and uh, and I needed to contact her. And so I just thought, well, that's weird, and I don't want to do that. I'll write her name on my to-do board up in the corner, and I wrote Suzanne's name. And weeks went by, and I knew that impression had been very strong I should do something but I just talked myself out of it mm -hmm. I quenched mm -hmm. what I was supposed to do and then it was revealed that their marriage was in a crisis and they were announcing their divorce and I do I still look back and think not that I could have necessarily kept them but I yes. could have been a voice that I was supposed to contact mm -hmm. her and just say you're on my mind is anything going on? Mm -hmm. Even just that, but it was embarrassing to me, and so I didn't do it. I didn't go ahead with it, even though I knew it was. So, and I still feel bad. Yes. To this day that I did that. So. You know what? I once heard a speaker say, "We've all heard the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Let's say good intentions come from the Spirit." So, that voice to you, um, yeah. Why would God not be doing that? 
you know, uh, uh, because we can't explain it. Well, that's silly. There's an awful lot of things we can't explain. And remember, he's not human, so he's not going to function in the realms that we do. Often, one of the things I've heard Andy say several times, and Mike and I certainly believe this, but often that first thought or impression is it. If you let your mind, soul, and your soul, which is your mind and your emotions and your thinking, get in the middle of it, you'll undo it or you'll quench it or you'll suppress it or you'll think maybe tomorrow. And we need to give the enemy all the credit because he is doing his thing, right? If he can create that static that keeps us from following through on a prompting or a nudging, then it hurts the kingdom. Um, One of the things in this particular point also that was brought out was that, you know, sometimes when you, if you don't feel like you hear a word from the Lord or you're not sure what that is, it could be that the Lord starts out with simple yes and no or good and evil, a discerning of those kinds of circumstances. And then as you are better at listening and you're more in tune to the Spirit, then you may hear, yes, and this is why, or yes, and here's more what it looks like, versus just those simple senses of yes and no. Here's a confession. All my life, I have proclaimed and believed that Satan tempts me and draws me towards sin. But for some reason, I've never had that kind of spiritual interaction assigned to God on the other side. Do y'all follow what I'm saying? It's like we've all talked about how temptation works and how we're drawn. And that's very much on the spiritual realm. But somehow to translate it into God sounds a little, well, I think it's Satan's work. It's the enemy, right? If he can keep us from hearing the Spirit, hearing what God would have us to do, then he wins. Even with our kids raising them up, we would prompt them. Yeah. You know, what was it? Tell everybody what you did the first day they went to school. I would say, okay. <laughs> they hated me for this, and now they're doing it to their children. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> no, I would just line them up and I'd say, guys, listen, y'all have gone to this school for a few years, so your job today is to look for somebody new because they are scared to death and they don't think they're gonna have any friends, and this is your chance to go, and they were like, I know, Mom, I'm supposed to go find somebody new, you know. But that day, I said, we're gonna ask you tonight who you found. <laughs> and so we'd talk about it at night. Is that what That's you mean? It was a prompting, yes. Yeah, a prompting. And, and this is really no different than what we experience in day-to-day life, but True. with God having a relationship with us and the Spirit living within us, that should not be something that should feel abnormal or weird because it's something that we experience every day. Uh, Which goes back to foundation number one is God seeks relationship. It's all about relationship. And when you listen to the Spirit and you're in relationship with God, that's what the abundant life is. It, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's, even when it's hard, it's wonderful. Janabeth? Angels and demons travel at the speed of thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm just, we're, we've been studying the Spirit. We've been in every class that's been called the Spirit for, I don't know, when I started, I think me and you've been in class for like four years. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I just, I 
do think that's so huge that the Lord is, he speaks to us through our spirit and our mm-hmm. spirits. And, and another phrase that this guy listens to all the time says is we can't afford to have a thought in our mind that God doesn't have about us. And so, which is the word, you know, yes. like, which is why Romans 12 is so important for us to constantly be renewing our mind and our mm-hmm. thoughts and our thoughts. And mm-hmm. I was just going to say the most, it's not even recent because the twins were infants, but I feel like the Lord really speaks to me with impressions and feeling. I feel a lot of those. I don't get pictures a lot, but I'm going to homeschool Paige, and everybody's like, oh, well, how did you decide that? Oh, are you going to do that? If you know my child, she's not actually the easiest child <laughs> to parent at all. Um, but right after we got the twins, we were in our townhome. I was just getting dressed in the bathroom. They were in their pack and play in our bedroom, and I just heard or thought, you're going to homeschool. You're not going to give them away eight hours a day. I have given them to you as an assignment. Like, this is what I've given you for your life. Like, this is what you're doing. And so I was like, oh. I just, like, looked at Ryan and was like, I think I'm supposed to homeschool. Like, I think. And I used to teach, and I was a teacher, and I love schools, and I love, and I don't know if this is, like, forever or not. But for right now, this year, this is it. He's asked me to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. And we can't talk you out of that. You can't talk me mm-hmm. out of it because the Lord told me to do it. He told me not to homeschool my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he gave you that word. Lots of homeschooling. That's right. And I think that is awesome. That's right. No. I remember going to a Bill Godfrey seminar many years ago, and they were big into homeschooling. So I came over there and said, Jeannie, we need to think about homeschooling our kids. She went, uh-uh. I, no, they would be so behind if I was in charge. But. And you wanted them to remain safe. That's, yeah, that's exactly right. They would not have been. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. We can all pray constantly for the night family. That patron is the point. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. Yes. <clears throat> but it's also undeniable. Yes. And so then, then you have all the issues of faith and everything developed in that. So, yes. But it's also true. I mean, this is just so in line with Scripture for those of us who are confused about it. Because, for one hand, in praising God, people would not eat meat. And on the other hand, in praising God, people would eat meat. So, yes. on one hand, people could homeschool and do fantastic. And mm-hmm. other people could not, not even have the same thought about it. Yes. One person wouldn't even have a thought about hiring this guy and dealing with it. Another person would be happy with choosing to hire them or, you know, do something about yes. it. Yes. And some great stories to go along with those kinds of things. That's awesome. Yeah. And 
and I, there, there are a couple places in Scripture, just for those of you who are really, like myself, hung up on Scripture and really on these things. Paul writes a couple times to Timothy, one in particular in 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, he gives him a list of some analogies to think about. And at the end of verse 7 he goes, think on these things. And if you don't quite get it, God will reveal to you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some element of this, that, that, that sentence back up a while ago, he will hit you with things that are within your wheelhouse, that yep. not too far out of it, but yet a little bit different. And that is so true. And, and, there's a, a, and I think, I think that's the one thing in this class that's overwhelmed me a bit is how full scripture is about God revealing himself, him teaching us, he leads us, and all that the Spirit does in, I mean, you know, the passages are just pages and pages if you write them out versus things I've also hung a lot of theology on, and there was one verse. And I'm like, seriously? (laughs) But I kind of ignored some of these others. Um, And to your point, and I think all of us have told about a sentinel event, something really big, which is absolutely true. The other part of that, though, is our daily, day in, day out, day in, day out. I go into Publix. I talk to my neighbor. I go to work. What is the Spirit leading me to do and think and say and behave? And if my daily, you know, it's not that Mike and I only meet on our anniversary and at holidays, right? It's a daily thing. So, my relationship with God is just as daily and constant and full of communication. Sonia? Yeah, I wasn't going to mention this, but... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> well, this is like right along with Sonia. I feel like God is very gentle with us, and He's trying to... With each of us, He's trying to help us um, hear Him in ways that, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess that was Him. Yes. But he cares about the little things. You want to learn to listen and, and, and pay attention. Um, I do think we don't need to overlook the fact, though, that we can have hindrances in our life that keep us from hearing God. Here are several. First of all, harboring sin. If you have willful sin that you harbor in your life, that, that's a difficult it's difficult to connect to your loving Father if you're holding on to things that you know you need to rid from your life. And that will be the block, I guess, unless you ask the Lord to help you and repent of those things also, which would be willful disobedience and also being selfish. You know, this, this um, interaction with God is back to your point. Sometimes the things he leads us to do are not the easy things. And so we don't... It's, it's not a matter of, Lord, make my life perfect or that the things you're pursuing are selfish. It's I'm pursuing a relationship with you. As we go along, I need your direction. 
But how that looks exactly, I'm going to have to kind of change that along the way with him in the lead. What kind of things keep you from hearing God? Yes. Noise. Noise. Filling my, filling my life with things that may be great things, mm-hmm. but if I don't, if I say yes to everything without talking to God about it first, then yeah. I'm filling my life with things that he has not blessed. If you go to the phone instead of the throne? <laughs> I heard that somewhere. I just thought I'd share that with you all. No. But I, I, there are plenty of things that I have taken on thinking, oh, that's, that's a good, it's a good thing. Uh-huh. It's a good thing to do. Uh-huh. But if I haven't consulted God on that and that's not the thing that he wants yes. me to focus on, then I'm, I'm not serving him in the way that he wants me to serve And you're missing out on the blessing of letting him be in control of that. Yes, noise, busyness, uh, static distractions. There's so many things that keep us from hearing, just not listening. Uh, just wanted to end with, yes, yes. One of the things that's plagued me is, um, and it's all about, everything comes back to relationship. If you don't believe that you're as important a child of God as anyone he has, then you can, you can convince yourself, well, it's not all that important that he takes care of me, that yes. he gives me things to do, that, that he speaks to me, mm-hmm. because you're not important to me. Mm-hmm. So you've got, and all those things that you had on the chart there about heart conditions, they, they all three of them damage your relationship with God. Yes. Help you to go on with this, I'm not important to him. You're really important mm-hmm. to him, and that's why you need to listen. That's, that's a lie. I mean, that's just a lie to believe you're not. But yeah, boy, Satan can really use that one to get us off track. I want to end with this, this verse that I just think is, it kind of tells us all the things the Lord is willing to do. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come to those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. And teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways that they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear Him. He makes His covenant known to them. Do you hear all of those verbs in there? Teach, guide, lead, show me direct me, even the fact that the Lord confides in those, boy, what kind of relationship is that describing? I just think it's so precious. So here's, here's the end of class. Here's the thing. Seek God and don't give up. Ask Him to help you know Him and hear Him better. And what loving daddy wouldn't jump at the chance? Any of you who've got children or have got daddies, if you went and said, hey, could we be closer? I'd really like to get to know you. I mean, any of our children or grandchildren, I'd be all over that. Um, our father is the perfect father, right? And so that's, that's what he offers. Any final comment anybody wants to make? Go and hear the Lord.